We are grateful to you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your presence. Amen. The Bible says that the blessed are those that you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled and satisfied with every good thing in your house. Tonight our hearts are open to you. Our spirit is alert. Oh God, speak your word only. Amen. And that will suffice. Amen. Pray, confirm your word with miracles, signs and wonders. Amen. With supernatural manifestations. Amen. We take authority over the atmosphere. We take authority over this territory. We come against territorial forces. Demonic powers that are placed in this vicinity. We bind them in the name of Jesus. And cast them into hellfire. We declare that they have no power in this place. We declare that their works are null and void in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let the spirit of God rule and reign supreme tonight. Amen. And now, oh God, I submit myself to you. I pray that Father use me to glorify your name. And to be a great blessing to your people. At the end of the service, we'll be careful to give glory and honor to thee. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please put your hands together for the Lord. Awesome. And take your seat in heavenly That's places. So Hallelujah. Amen. We want to say thank you to the Lord for tonight. The Lord is good. You didn't hear me. I said the Lord is good. And all the time. Hallelujah. Amen. No matter how you look at it, God is good. Hallelujah. Amen. Because the fact that you are alive is an indication that the Lord is good. Life is more important than any other thing you can think about. And if the Lord has given you life, he can give you all things to enjoy. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight I want to thank the Lord for the opportunity to be a part of Operation Alpha Obedidom Convention. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Great is his faithfulness. His faithfulness is so great that you cannot go above it. It's so great you cannot go beneath it. So great you cannot go around it. His faithfulness is so great. His faithfulness means he says what he means and he means what he says. He that has promised is faithful. He too will bring it to pass. But God is faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus. Whatever God has promised you. I came to tell you that he's a faithful God. He will bring it to pass. Not in your time. But in his own time. He will make all things beautiful. In his own time. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Please lift your Bibles. Let me see. Hallelujah. Amen. Say this is my own Bible. It is the word of the Lord. I believe everything says about me. I am what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I have what he says I have. This night, I'm going to be taught from this great book. And my life will never be the same. I believe it and I receive it. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Somebody seated beside me that a Bible tell the person repent. Repent. Hallelujah. Amen. Now tonight I want to share something very brief with you. Like our father said, the convention started from Sunday morning. And it has continued up till yesterday night. Speaker after speaker had brought us the word of God. They've given us revelations upon revelations. Tonight I came with another revelation. Oh, I came to speak the mind of God to you tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been studying about the life of Obedidom. And interestingly, anytime I, I read the, the, the story of Obedidom, God gives me another revelation to the point that I did not even know what to share because God has given me so much information about Obedidom. So I went to God I said, Father, what do you want me to share with your people? The Lord said to me, tell my people that the God factor is important. Hallelujah. So tonight I'm speaking of what I Called the God factor. Look at somebody and tell the person the God factor. Another person and tell the person the God factor. And tell yourself that the God factor is important. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's turn our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6. I would like to read from verse number 1 to verse number 12 very speed. Very quickly, I would, I would like to read it. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal to Judah, Baal of Judah, to bring up from thence the ark of God. Please follow because I think you are going ahead of me. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Verse 4. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, Accompanying the ark of God and Ahio went before the ark. Verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fair wood, even on harps and on trees and on timbers and on cornets and all cymbals. Now David Israel Verse 6. And when they came to Nacon's stretching floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. Verse 7. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his arrow. And there he died by the ark of God. Verse number 8. 
And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Verse 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Verse number 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obedidom the Gittite. Verse 11. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obedidom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obedidom and all his household. The last verse, verse 12. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that pertains unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom into the city of David with gladness. May the Lord add his blessing upon the reading of his word and the house shall shout a big amen. Amen. Now this convention is about the blessings of Obedidom. And the blessing of Obedidom is an unprecedented blessing. The blessing of Obedidom is a transgenerational blessing. The blessing of Obedidom was a colossal blessing. Uh -huh, you can say it with me. I want tonight, I'm going to be showing you some big terms, so just follow. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It was a stupendous blessing. It was a cataclysmic blessing. It was a splendiferous blessing. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Amen. I have your attention now, so I can preach. That's right. And so, God blessed Obedidom because of the ark. And you have to understand that the ark of God represents the presence of God in the midst of Israel. The ark of God represents the glory of God in the midst of Israel. The ark of God represents the power of God in the midst of Israel. The ark of God represents the hope of Israel. Anytime the ark of God was in the midst of Israel, Israel had victory over their enemies. When the ark of God was in the camp of the Israelites, they had the blessings of God with them. When the ark of God was in the midst of Israel, they had the protection of God in with them. When they 
The ark of God was amongst them. They had the peace of God with them. When the ark of God was with them, the miracles of God was with them. When the ark of God was with Israel, the fear of God fell on their enemies. So when the ark of God was captured by the Philistines, the glory of the Lord departed from Israel. Israel. The presence of God departed from Israel. The power of God departed from Israel. The hope of Israel was gone. The, 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 the miracles of God were no more with Israel. And so Bible said the Israelites lamented over the ark. Because the ark of God has been captured by the Philistines. And the Bible Bible said that for 20 solid years Israel was without the ark of God during the days of King Saul they never inquired of the ark of God because Saul had no value for the ark of God and so for 20 years Israel was without the glory of God Israel was without the power of God Israel was without the presence of God. Israel was without the blessings of God for 20 solid years. And anytime God is absent in Israel, the people of Israel resort to idolatry. So for 20 years, Israel consorted with mediums and spirits. They did not seek after the Lord because the ark of God was not in the midst of them. Ladies and gentlemen, I came to tell you that anytime God is missing in a place, people resort to all kinds of idol worshiping. You see, it is not about the size of your church. It is not about the beauty of your church. God must be present in your church. The glory of God must be present in your church. And nothing can replace the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So what we need is the presence. Oh, tell somebody we need the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Anytime the presence of God is not with the people, they are prone to defeat. They are prone to disaster. They are prone to the enemy's attack. But tonight, we will bring back the presence of God. Oh, I said we will bring back the presence of God. Hallelujah. So when David became king over Israel, the first thing that was on the heart of David was to bring back the presence of God. Was to bring back the glory of God. Was to bring back the power of God. Was to bring back the act of God. When David became king, David realized that God was not with Israel. And as long as God was missing in Israel, there is no way Israel will fight the battle and win. You see, if God is not with you, no matter what battle you face in life, you shall be defeated. But when God is on your side, you 
will have God constitute a majority. There is no battle that you will be defeated if God is for you. Because our God is the God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. When he is with you, no devil can be able to touch you. No enemy can be able to defeat you. And tonight I came to tell you that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Apostle Lenu, the God of Boshe Assembly, that God will give you victory. You didn't hear me. He will give you victory tonight. I said he will give you victory tonight. I said he will give you victory tonight. No matter what battles you are fighting, your God will give you victory. Hallelujah. Victory is coming to you. I said victory is coming to you. Somebody you have been battling with a sickness. The God of Abraham, Abraham the God of Obedidom, the God of David, he's coming into your situation. He will turn around your situation. He will turn around your problem. He will remove your sickness from there. He will work a miracle in your life. He will give you a breakthrough. He will bless your life. He will change your destiny. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So when David became king, the first thing David said, that I need to bring back the ark of God. I need to bring back the presence of God. I need to bring back the glory. And as I was studying the, uh, the, the story of Obedidom, the Lord gave me seven lessons we need to learn. Number one, is that never forget what God has done for you. Never forget, number one, what God has done for you. David realized that it was God that appointed him king over Israel. It was God that handpicked him from the backside of the desert and brought him into the lamplight. It was God that ordained him as king over Israel. God was the one who lifted David up. When everybody has forgotten about David, it was God that remembered David. David did not deserve to be a king. Because among his brethren, he was the least person. But yet, Bible said that God picked David and God anointed David and made him king in the stead of Saul. So David remembered what God has done for him, where he was coming from. And when he became king, he said to himself, this God that lifted me, this God that has blessed me, this God that has made me king, there is something I need to do for him. There is something I must do for him. Ladies and gentlemen, remember what God has done for you. Never forget what God has done for you. Never forget where you are coming from. Because where you are coming from will determine how far you have gone. Hallelujah. Sometimes when God blesses us, then we forget that once upon a time, you were a nobody and God picked you from the gutters and cleansed you 
and blessed you. Many times when God blesses us, we tend to forget and we become arrogant and proud. And whatever we are doing, we stop doing it for God. But as for David, when God had blessed him, when God had elevated him, when God had made him king, he said, oh, I remember where I was coming from, from my father's house, from a nobody. And today, this God, who has made me somebody, I need to do something for him. Ladies and gentlemen, I came to ask you tonight, the God who has blessed you, the one who has given you a new job, the one who has given you a husband, the one who has given you a child, the one who has given you the life you have, the strength you have, the energy you have, the one who has protected you from January to today, October, what have you done for him? I said, what have you done for him? I said, what have you done for him? Take an offering now. Take an offering now. Take an offering. Come and show your appreciation to God. Many times we take for granted what God has done for us. And we forget to appreciate him. But not David. Not David. When he became a king, he said, I know where I am coming from. I know how far God has brought me. I will do something for God. I am going for the presence of God. I am going for the ark of God. What Saul rejected, David said, I'm going for it. He wanted to do something for God. Tonight, take an offering and come and up appreciate God for your life, for your family, for your marriage. Some of you, if you are not being for God, if you are not being for God, the sickness that came upon you would have killed you. If you are not being for God, the accident that you had, you could have died. If you are not being for God, the job you have, you would never have had it. But thanks be to God, I said, thanks be to God. Take your offering tonight. Take a thanksgiving offering and come and drop it before the Lord. Jesus.
Somebody never forget what God have done for you. Tell another person, never, never forget what God have done for you. Always remember and thank him. The second lesson the Lord showed me was that when David wanted to bring back the ark from the house of Abinadab to the city of David in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 1 let's look at it. 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 1 the Bible said and David gathered all the chosen men another rendition says he gathered all the choice men another rendition says that he gathered all the best soldiers David wanted to do something for God and David got his best soldiers the best of all his soldiers to go and bring back the ark and the Lord said to me that we should never and this, uh, give him anything less than our best. And this, uh, if you are going to do something for God, if you are going to give something to God, you must give God your best. Because David brought his best soldiers to go and bring back the ark of God. So whenever you are giving an offering to God, give God the best of your offering. Whenever you are giving your service to God, Give God the best of your service. Whenever you are giving something to God, give your best to him. God will not settle for anything less than your best. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell somebody, give your best to God. Hallelujah. Amen. The best of your service. The best of your time. The best of your life. The best of everything. Give it to God. And you see, when you give God your best, God will give you his best. You didn't hear I said, when you give God your best, God will also give you his best. Hallelujah. Amen. Number three, I, I learned um, from the story of Obedidom that when David wanted to bring back the ark from the house of Abinadab to the city of David, he consulted every leader. He consulted everybody. But David never consulted the Lord. He never asked God how to go about it? What direction are you giving? Hallelujah. Amen. And I was studying about David. And I realized that anytime David wanted to go to battle, he would always consult the Lord. First Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 to 3. First Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 to 3. Let's start from verse 1. 
First Samuel chapter 23. I want to show you how many times David consulted with God. Then they told David saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Killer and they rob the threshing floor. Now we catch that with the say Philistine Therefore David inquired of the Lord. So you see, David inquired of the Lord. When he was going to fight. Now verse 4. Look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 of the same scripture. Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. Now So the second time he inquired of the Lord. Verse 9 of the same scripture. And David knew, and David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiata the priest, bring hither the effort. Verse 10. Verse 10. Then David. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to kill her, to destroy the city of my for my sake. Will the men of Kela deliver me up into thy hand? So David was inquiring from God. So you see, in one battle, David was inquiring from the from God the first time, the second time, the third time. Now, first time chapter 30. Verse number 8. First Samuel chapter 30, verse number 8. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? So you see, here also David was asking God. Second Samuel chapter 2, 1 and 2. Second Samuel chapter 2, 1 and 2. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. Verse 18. Then the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Riffin. Verse 19. And David inquired of the Lord. So you see a consistency in the life of David. That any time he is going to battle, he would inquire of the Lord. But on this one occasion, when he was going to bring back the ark from the house of Abinadab to the city of David, he inquired of everybody. He consulted all the leaders. But David did not inquire of the law. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Lord was saying to me to tell you that never take a major step without inquiring of him. Because it is not all that glitters that is gold. There is a way that seems right unto a man. But at the end of it is the way of death. So before you say yes to a man. Or decide to marry a particular woman. You must inquire of the Lord. Because I know people who are married. And they have regretted the decision they took. 
given a second chance, they would have opted from the marriage. I know people who have traveled abroad to seek for greener pastures. And where they went, thinking that it was a fertile ground, became a funeral ground. So before you take a step, a major step for that matter, spend time to pray and seek the face of God and let the Lord tell you what to do and show you how to go about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell somebody the pastor is speaking to you now. Oh, I said tell somebody the pastor is speaking to you now. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of us, we, love, we like certain kind and certain types and certain colors and certain shapes. But sometimes when you inquire of the Lord, He will direct you. Hallelujah. Amen. The fourth thing the Lord was showing me, I've not started the message. This one is introduction. I'm, I'm going to take you deep into the message now. This is introduction. I'm just introducing you to the subject. Hallelujah. But I'll, 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 I'll be on time. I can, I can tell you, I'm going to be on time. Uh, I'm telling you. Amen. The fourth thing the Lord was showing me was that when David was bringing back the ark, you know, the Philistines, when they captured the ark and they wanted to transport the ark, they, they, they prepared a new, a new track or a new cart and they put the ark on it and they ferried it somewhere. When David also wanted to bring back the ark, he also prepared a cart or the same track. Just like the Philistines did. He put the ark upon it. And that was the reason why the ark, the, the ark shook on the cat. Because David had adapted the method of the Philistines. You, see, you cannot use ungodly method to do godly things. You can never use worldly method to do godly things. For you to do godly things, you must adapt a godly method. Hallelujah. Amen. And because David decided to go the way of the Philistines, God had to register his protest. Because the ark, you know, there is a way that God has designed that the ark should be carried. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is a revelation on its own. Because God has said that the ark should be carried on the shoulders of of the priest. Because in, on the shoulders of the priest, God was saying that the government of Christ will be upon his shoulders. Hallelujah. Amen. So when David decided to put the ark on the track, the method he chose violated the will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever you want to do, find out how God wants you to do it. There is a way to do it. There is a godly way to do things. When you refuse to do things the godly way, you will end up in trouble. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes when people want to get married, 
The worldly system says that you cannot buy a car when you have not tested it. I've heard it before. You can't buy a car without testing it. Hallelujah. Amen. The worldly way is that you cannot always eat granite soup. Sometimes you have to eat a benkwan. But that is not the way of God. That is not the method of God. God's way is that you must keep yourself holy. Paul said all things are what? Lawful unto me. But all things are not what? Expedient to me. Hallelujah. So, so the fact that other people are doing it does not mean it is from God. Find the way of God and do it God's way. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes you see somebody who is not married. And they will tell you that, oh, where you have reached, if you are not careful, you would, you would, you would go into menopause. So even if no man is ready to marry you, you look for somebody's husband and let him impregnate you and have a child out of wedlock. Tell somebody that is the way of the world. It is not the way of God. Because the way of God is that you must wait on him because he has, he has designed somebody for you. Hallelujah. The fifth thing I realized was that as they were going, Uzzah, decided to touch the ark. Because the Bible said that the oxen shook. And he wanted to help the Lord. So he touched the ark. And the Lord smote Uzzah. And Uzzah died. And David was angry with God. Hey. David was angry with God. The Lord said, I should tell you, never come to that point in your life where you will say that I am angry with God and I have stopped serving God or what I am doing for God, I have stopped doing it. Because if you get angry with man, another man can call you and settle the matter. But if you are angry with God, who will settle the matter? If you are angry with God and God also decides to be angry with you, and decides to hold your nose for one minute you'll be a dead meat. If you claim you are angry with God and God decides that he is removing his protection from you you will see what will happen to you. So never come to that point in your life to say that I am angry with God or I am angry with church. So whatever I am doing in church I will stop doing it. I won't go to church anymore. Sometimes people say God, if you don't bless me, I will stop serving you. If you stop serving God, it will be to your disadvantage. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So David was angry with God. And he said, After this act, I will not take you to the city of David. Anger 
can destroy many things. Anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. It's not a sin. Because God himself got angry and killed Uzzah. So anger is not a sin. But what you do when you get angry is what matters. Because anger, people who have not been able to manage their anger have gone into so many troubles. I was doing a study and I realized that there were some people who, you know, Lost their blessing because of anger. Let's take Moses. God said, go and strike the rock. And he went and did it. The second time, God said, go and speak to the rock. But Moses got so angry. And then he struck, he struck the rock twice. And water came out. And God said to Moses, because of this anger, all the things you have done, you will not enter the promised land. Because of anger. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at um, somebody like Cain. He got angry with his brother Abel. And out of his anger, he killed his brother Abel. And God put a curse on Cain. So that anybody who will see Cain will know that God has done what? He has cursed him. You saw what anger did to Cain. Simon and Levi. They were brothers. They got angry. They killed a man. When it was time for their father Jacob to bless, because of their anger, the blessing escaped them. And their father cursed their anger. Anger had sent many packing from their marital homes. Anger had made people react foolishly. Tell somebody that be careful of anger. Oh, I said tell somebody be careful of anger. Hallelujah. Amen. So all of these things I've said so far are introduction. Now I come to my message. Hallelujah. Amen. Bible said Verse 10, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 10. Now I come to the message proper. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him, unto him into the city of David. But he carried it aside. Tell somebody he carried it aside. Oh, tell somebody he carried it aside. Tell another person, he carried it aside. When David carried the ark aside, what David was literally saying was that, I don't need the ark anymore. I don't need the presence of God anymore. I don't need the power of God anymore. I don't need the glory of God anymore. I can do without God. I can do without God. Hallelujah. Amen. He pushed the ark aside. He pushed the ark aside. When he pushed it aside, he rejected God. When he pushed it aside, he relegated God to the background. God had blessed David. God had lifted David. God had, you know, done many things for David. But David is now saying, I don't need God anymore. I don't need the presence anymore. He pushed God aside. He pushed God aside. 
And that is where the God factor comes in. Hallelujah. Amen. I was studying about Saul. And his son Jonathan. And the Bible said. In 2 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 23. After the death of Saul and Jonathan. That Saul and Jonathan. They were swifter than the eagle. They were faster than the eagle. And they were stronger than the lion. They were skillful people. Saul and Jonathan were warriors. Great warriors. They went to battle with their skill, with their experience, with their ability. They were skillful, swifter than the eagle, stronger than the lion. But yet, when they went to the battle, the Bible said that they killed Saul and they killed Jonathan, even though. They were swifter and faster and stronger. They died. And the Lord was showing me the reason why Saul and Jonathan died. Because at that time, God had rejected Saul. The presence of God was no longer with Saul. The spirit of God had departed from Saul. So even though Saul was skillful and Saul was stronger and Saul was a warrior and Jonathan also, they went to the battle with all their skill, all their accoutrements and yet they never had the presence of God and because they didn't have the presence when they went to the battle they killed them and they died ladies and gentlemen you have skill you have ability but I tell you that in this life it takes more than skill it takes more than ability it takes more than experience it takes more than qualification if you don't have the presence of God with you with all your skill, with all your experience, you will fail in life. But if you have the presence, if you have the presence, your skill will be inadequate. Your experience will be small. Just if God is on your side, you shall succeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you, it takes more than beauty to marry. Because I've seen people who are beautiful. I've seen people who are beautiful. And they are not married. It takes more than the pawns on your face. It takes more than the lipstick. It takes more than your perfume. It takes more than your dress. To get a good marriage. It takes the presence of God. So if, even if you have beauty. And you do not have the presence. I tell you. No man will look at you. You will go to the marriage, but it will not work if the presence of God is not with you. But if you have the presence, I said, but if you have the presence, I said, but if you have the presence, oh, your marriage will succeed. If you have the presence, where others were rejected, you shall go, you shall be accepted. If you have the presence, what others did and they failed, you shall do. And you shall succeed because of the presence. So when David pushed aside the ark, all he was saying was that 
God, stay out of my life. Stay out of my marriage. Stay out of my business. Stay out of my ministry. I don't need you anymore. I don't need you anymore. And God said, okay, if you don't need me, it's all right. I will look for a man who is seeking after me. I will look for a man who values my presence. I will look for a man who cherishes me, who is ready to accept me. And that man, I will bring my blessing upon him. And so when the ark went to the house of Obedidon, God was telling David that without me, you David, you are nothing. Without me, you David, you cannot succeed. Without me, you David, you cannot be blessed. And so the Lord blessed Obedidon to show David that he cannot do without him. Tell somebody the God factor. Oh, I said tell somebody the God factor. You cannot do without God. So if you, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is to go on WhatsApp to go and check your messages. Who have sent you a message? Who has called you? And all you do is to spend time on your WhatsApp. You don't get time to pray. You don't get time to spend in the presence of God. And then you are rushing to town. You are rushing to go to work. If you relegate God to the background, I tell you, you will fail in life. But if you make God number one in your life, if you make God the first in your life, if you value God and you put God ahead of all things, then he will bless you like he blessed the predator. I get to tell you that Seek after the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Tell somebody the God factor. He was a zero. His marriage was zero. His business was zero. His finances was zero. His ministry was zero. Everything about him was zero. But you see, if you have a lot of zeros, and you put one at the back of the zero, what would you have? What would you have? Uh, still zero. I want to see the mathematician say. Still zero. You have you have seven zeros. You have seven zeros. And you put one at last. At the last. What would you have? Zero. Zero 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 one. And zero 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 one does not mean anything. And some of you, that is your life. You have put God at last. At the last of the zero. So you have nothing to show. You have nothing to show. You have nothing to, you know, to testify. Because you have dedicated God to the background. But Obedidom, even though he was zero, when David pushed aside the ark, he put God at first. He put the one in front of the zero. If you have seven zeros, and you put one in front of the zero, what are you going to have? Oh, I said, what are you going to have? If your life is zero, 
If your life is zero, and you put one first, you have ten. If your life is two zeros, and you put one first, you have hundred. If your life is three zeros, and you put one first, you have a thousand. God said, I should tell you, let him be the first. Let him be number one. I said, let God be number one. Let God be number one. In your life, in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, in everything, let God be number one. Let God be number one. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Obedidon was a zero. He was a zero. But when he got the ark, he was moved from a zero to a hero. I prophesy to you that if you make God number one, he will turn you from a zero to a hero. Tonight, I declare, let God make you a hero. Let God turn you from a zero to a hero in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. David pushed God aside. God step aside. I don't need you now. God said, eh, you don't need me. I will show you that without me, you cannot succeed. Without me, you cannot be blessed. So when Obedidom received the ark and made God number one, God said, obey. The blessing that was meant for David. Today, I am giving you that blessing. The Lord sent me to tell you that it is not of him that we left for he that runneth, but it is he the Lord that shows mercy. If you seek after the Lord, I said, if you seek after the Lord, the Lord sent me to tell you what others are struggling to get by their qualification and by their experience. If you seek the Lord, he will give it to you by grace. He will give it to you by grace. Obedidom had no qualification. He had no experience. His background was bad. He had no money. He had nothing. But he put God first. And God said, as long as you have put me first, I the Lord, I will bless you. In blessing, you shall be blessed. You are going out, shall be blessed. You are coming in shall be blessed. Your food shall be blessed. Your water shall be blessed. Your pocket shall be blessed. Your basket shall be blessed. Your storehouse shall be blessed. Your animals shall be blessed. Your business shall be blessed. Your mother shall be blessed. Your father shall be blessed. Your children shall be blessed. Your wine shall be blessed. Your corn shall be blessed. Anything you touch, it shall be blessed. Shout unto the Lord. Amen. Oh, Kadabariya Katahaya. Magosila Batapata. Ariabakuta Paradeste. 
The Lord said I should tell somebody the reason why you are struggling is because you have pushed him aside. He's not in charge. He's not in control. Somebody else is in charge. Let me tell you a story. As I bring my message to a close, there was a certain man. He built a ten, a ten bedroom apartment. A story building. A story building. Five at the top. Five at the down. And then he said, Jesus, yes, we. I am giving you the master bedroom. May the master bedroom name out. Take the master bedroom. master bedroom. That is where you have the jacuzzi and all those things. Let me take the nine. Let me take the nine. In the evening, when they were sleeping, they heard a knock at the door. Lo and behold, the devil showed up. And when he saw him, he wanted to close the door on the devil. The devil chopped the door, came into the room, and beat the man well, well. He beat him well, well. He beat him well, well. He was full of blood. In the morning, when he woke up, oh, sorry, he said, Jesus, oh, oh, see, yes, I gave you the master bedroom now. The master bedroom now. The way, that's where the jacuzzi is. Uh -huh, jacuzzi, well. That's where the master bed is. Uh -huh, and I'm Why is it that when the devil came, uh -huh. you didn't come to help me, uh -huh. and you allowed the devil to beat uh -huh. me? Uh -huh. Jesus was looking at him. Uh -huh. He never said anything. Uh -huh. He said, I know the plan. I know what you want. Take the five bedroom upstairs. Let me take the five up downstairs. That night, the devil came again. He knocked on the door. When the man opened the door, the devil came in again. He beat him well, well. For the second time, the man was full of blood. In the evening, I mean in the morning, when he woke up, he met Jesus. He said, Jesus, we strike the deal. We shut the house 50-50. Why is it that when the devil came? You didn't help me. Jesus didn't say anything. He said, I know what you want. Okay, take nine of the rooms. I will take the smallest room. The, the, the one that is like a storeroom. You take the nine. I will take the one. That night, the devil came again. He knocked on the door. When the man opened the door, the devil came. He beat him again the third time. He beat him the third time. He was left half dead. In the morning, when he woke up, he went to Jesus. Now this time he was so angry at Jesus. He was like David. Who, who was angry with God? Just like you, sometimes you get angry with God. I say, God, I will serve you again. I will sing in the choir again. I will play the instruments again. I will do this again. I will do that again. Jesus was looking at him. He was looking at him. He said, I know what you want. From today, Jesus, the ten rooms, I give everything to you. I am a tenant in your house. Now I am staying in your house. You are the landlord. You are in charge. That night, the devil came again. He knocked on the door. But this time, the new landlord, the landlord, the owner, the new owner, Jesus, he woke up. He went to the door. He opened the door. He opened it at you. And said, hey, hey devil, what do you want? Devil looked at Jesus. And he said, I am sorry, sir. 
I am sorry, sir. Wrong address. Wrong address. The devil ran away. He never came back. He never came back. In the morning, when he woke up, he said, Jesus, why did you wake up? Please stab around. Jesus said, as long as I am in charge, as long as I am the God of the house, as long as I am the God of your marriage, as long as I am the God of your life, as long as I am the God of your business, anytime the devil shows up, I will face him for you. I will face him for you. The Lord said to tell you, if you will put him in charge, if you will make him the number one in your life, Anytime the devil shows up, Jesus will face him. I said, Jesus will face him. I said, Jesus will face him. I said, Jesus will face him. Amen. He sent me to tell you that from today, let him be the number one in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, in your relationship, in everything you do. He said I should tell you, let him be number one, not number two, not number three, not the last, but let him be the first. When he is the first, when Jesus is first, the blessing of Obedidom will come upon you. Amen. Amen. Oh, and the Lord blessed, and the Lord blessed Obedidom. And now watch, watch this. I'm closing now. You see, when David rejected the ark, it was a prophecy of what was going to come. Because the Bible has said that this Obedidom was a Gittite. And being a Gittite means that he was not a Jew. But he was a Gentile. And God has said that a time is going to come the Jews will reject the Messiah. And the Gentiles will accept him. And when the Gentiles accept the Messiah, the blessings of the Jews shall be given to the Gentiles. So the Bible said, Jesus, he came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as to them that received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God. So when David, a Jew, a Jew, a Jew, rejected the ark. He rejected Christ because the ark stood for Christ. The ark was made of pure, I mean, was made of wood and overlaid with gold. The wood of the ark the wood of the ark represents the humanity of Christ and the God that overlaid it represents the divinity of Christ so the ark was a wood and gold just like Christ was God and man and Bible said that on top of the ark there were two cherubims and between the cherubims was the, was the mercy seat and every year the high priest who, 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 who kill an animal and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. 
light. And God was telling us that in the Acre, which is Jesus, he will share his blood for the remission of our sins. So anytime the high priest went before the Lord and shed blood, God was saying that my son Jesus will shed his blood for the remission of our sins. When they entered the Acre, there was a golden porter. There was a golden porter. There was the manner of the manner that he ate in the wilderness. And that manner represents the blessing of Christ. And that is why the Bible says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ, you are blessed of God. If you are in Christ, you are blessed of God. The blessing of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Israel belongs to you. In the ark was Aaron's rod that parted. It was the Aaron's rod that parted. And that talks about the priesthood that in Christ, in Christ, he has made us kings and priests unto God. So if you be in Christ, the Aaron's rod that parted, that talks about the kingship, it is talking about you that in Christ Jesus, you are not an ordinary man. You are not an ordinary woman. You are a son of God. You are a priest to God. You are a priest to God. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. Called by God unto himself. In the ark was the two tablets which represents the Ten Commandments uh, that talks about the law that in Christ Jesus the law or the law shall be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ you are no longer under the law. You are under grace because Christ has fulfilled all the law. And so the Bible says we are no longer under the law but we are under grace because he has fulfilled all the tenets of the law. I came to prophesy that tonight uh, the grace of God is working for you. The law is abolished. Uh. I said the law is a polisher. If you are in Christ, the law is a polisher because it has been fulfilled. Hallelujah. Amen. And so God was telling the story that they will reject his son. But the Gentiles who accept him. And the blessing of the, of the, of the Jews. Will become our portion. That is why tonight you look at you. You are seated in the house of God. If not for Christ. You cannot be in church. You cannot come before God. But thanks be to God. Thank you Jesus. 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 Amen. But I close on this one now. David, David. when he heard that God had blessed the Bible said he went back for the ark of God. One thing I love about David, he was not a perfect guy. He was not a perfect guy. He did many things against the Lord. But anytime David sinned against the Lord and realized that God is angry or God has departed from him. David will go back to God and David will say to God, the Father, 
I have sinned against you. As for your Holy Spirit, as for your presence, don't take it from me. Bible said in Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11, David sang a song when he has sinned against God. And God was angry. He said, Creating me a clean heart. Oh Lord. And renew the right spirit. Within, within me, I said, create me a clean heart, oh Lord, and renew the right spirit within me. He said, cast me, Lord, away from thy presence, oh Lord, and tell Spirit, Spirit for me, but restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew the right spirit within me. He said, Cast me all away from thy presence. Come on, come on now. Restore unto me the joy of, of your salvation and renew the right spirit within me. So David wanted the presence of God. He wanted the presence. And so he said, God, I know I push you aside. But now I know I cannot do without you. So don't take your Holy Spirit. Your presence, don't take it from me. I need your presence. A final song I want to sing for you. That David said, Psalm 42 verse 1. He said, as the dear panthers for the water so my soul longest study you alone you rise to your feet rise to your feet take your devotion at my heart come on let's go desire and I love to worship you we have closed if you are here, you haven't given your life to Jesus. You know that you are not born again. You know that if you die today, you're not going to heaven. But you want to give your life to Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus, lift your right hand and stand up so I can pray with you. You don't know when you're going to die. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow might be too late. You want to give your life to Jesus? Stand up on your feet, lift your right hand. Let me pray with you. If you are watching us on Facebook or YouTube, Facebook and YouTube, and you want to give your life to Jesus, then lift your right hand and pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you died at Calvary for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the dead. I believe that you are alive forevermore. Lord Jesus, forgive me all my sins. Wash me in your precious blood that flowed at Calvary. Write my name in the book of life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
from, from today, I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today in Jesus' name. If you said this prayer, I believe you are born again. If you are watching on Facebook or YouTube, find a Bible-believing church and attend. If you want to join our church, we are United Christian Ministries International. We have branches all over Accra and beyond. But we are coming to you now from our Dansoman branch, which is close to the Dansoman Malcolm. If you come, we shall receive it in hand. The Lord bless you. Hallelujah. Amen.